BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, yo, what's good? Check it out. This is your boy, Elder Sensei. One half of the legendary artifacts. You are right now in tune to my man, Tim Einenkel, at the library on rapstation.com. Let's get it popping, y'all. Artifacts. Peace, Elder Sensei. I'm out. Run, run, D. You talked about him earlier, but in an interview with Ebony, you talked about working with the great late producer, Larry Smith, and you called him as, you described him as Rick Rubin before Rick Rubin, because like Rick Rubin, Larry would always want to add the artist's personality to the song. And then you talk about uh, Rockbox and what, what you guys did there. It seems because rap music was, it's called it in its infancy stages, then there was this amazing sense of creativity artistic freedom let's say um because you didn't have a blueprint to right, what yeah. was a successful right. record yeah you have, and, exactly why was there this great sense of artistic freedom and then also if you fast forward to today and run dmc dropped right. what would you guys have to do differently you think to have made the impact that you made today the only thing that we have to do differently today is not be afraid to do it that's the whole first thing, not to look and say, if this going to sell, where people accept it, you know what I'm saying? But the artistic freedom was this. You couldn't come close to or even be in there similar, similar to anybody else that was out there doing this type of music. And this is the best way that um, I could describe it. We come from a creative realm as young people very young people to look at what everybody's doing and you have to do something different that's just where we was at and by that being done you had growth transformation and evolution if you don't do that you just got a lot of people doing that thing that they doing now which is the way that it is now and i describe it like this we come from a generation where yo these guys is doing blue so I got to do red. And then the th- next people or the next persons, whether it's a group or a person comes along, he's doing blue, he's doing red, so I have to do green. So now you got green. Red. Now we're all doing the same type of thing, but in a different presentation. Here's how it is now. Yo, that guy doing blue and red is popping. No, that guy's doing blue and it's popping. Well, I'm going to do blue too. And then the other person, yo, he's doing blue. He's doing, I'm doing blue too. So what you have is a lot of people doing blue. Now you got 10,000 people doing blue. Out of the 10,000 people doing blue, there's going to be one person who does it way better than all of us, and we're going to get mad at him. And now all of these other issues that take away from the growth and creativity come into play, as opposed to saying, 
So you got um, 9,999 that don't do blue as well as him. So I'm going to come in and throw green in the game. 50 had it right. He wasn't talking about creating Kanye. 50 said, uh, I remember one quote on all hip-hop or something I read. He was like, I made Kanye great. People said, what are you? you ain't doing nothing. Remember when 50 said, if Kanye sell more than me, whatever. Yeah. But when 50 came along, 50 kind of changed the game because everybody was, you know, puffy, shiny suit. Every, Master P and them had gold tanks in the video. And then Puffy had the shiny suits. And then it was low limit cash money. Even, um, even Death Row, it became about... Who got what and this and that? And if 50 just came along, just took it back to the streets. You know what I'm saying? 50 kind of was like Wu-Tang over again. Or the, you know, gangster rap over again. So when 50 came in and was so different from everybody at that time, of course if Kanye, who's this? See, it was set up to do that. It wasn't like 50 came in and with the shiny shoes, it was successful too. He came in totally different. 50 tried to get deals here in New York City. And nobody cared, but it took Eminem to go, who, what? Wankster, what the? See, Eminem, his eye and his, what the hell is that? Yo, Dre, you should sign that kid right there and look what happened. And then people realized everybody wanted to jump on a 50 bandwagon, but he did it so well. He held down the, the whole industry with that for, what, two, three albums that Kanye was a breath of fresh air. You know what I'm saying? So what had happened with us is, the same thing that always happens with hip-hop. The early hip-hop was um, so-called black ghetto music. Life in the ghetto, growing up in the ghetto. Every record, every record was the message. And what happened when the message was successful? Yeah, message one, message two, message everything was that until Africa Bambada came along and said, hold up, here's what the message is talking about, and it's true. So let's create a record about a vision. So they did Planet Rock. Here's, this is what it is. It's fucked up here, but we know a place where the light is fun. And, the, and remember, when Planet Rock was, it was one of the most sampled and done over beach grooves and ideas ever. So then what happened after that? Here come these guys running them through rock music on. And every after that, we, we said, damn, we can't be the message. We can't be bamming them. So what Run DMC did... We put the message in Planet Rock together. We did a record that was up. It's like that was just the message and Planet Rock together. Up tempo, rock, boom, that boom, that unemployment at a rep, but you can go to school. We combined it. So when we did that, then what we did, we kind of opened it up with, oh, you can just tell a story. So you had every, you know, had everybody coming after us. But then what happened? When we did rock, nobody could touch it. So LL, who was a little kid front row every Run DMC show, he had to figure out, okay, I can't wear the hats, but I can wear a Kango. I can wear the gold chain because that's just a piece of jewelry ornament. But LL, while we, Message, Planet Rock, um, Rockbox, what did LL do? Something different. He stepped to the mic and nobody said it was pussy. Nobody said it was soft. Nobody said it was gay. Nobody said it was... He stepped to the mic and go, when I'm alone in my room, and all our MCs said, oh, that's the dough. Oh, we getting our heads busted. And then the next guy came along. Public Enemy said, we were just trying to make, be running them without being running them. So those, the, the different, the diversity of the creativity always inspired the next one coming to greatness. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and, that, and that's, that's, that's how I could similar. It was, it was just... um. 
it was just a known um, rule that you can't be like the 10 people before you. So if you had to come with something different, you got to be dope. And you got to understand something else. Hip-hop was only on Friday and Saturday night. So you had to be lyrically and musically dope to even be accepted. I listen to these guys now. Like, there's a lot of the music my son listens to. And I listen to some of these records, and they really ain't saying nothing. And I'm finding out how a lot of these records is made. These guys are just going in the studio and actually freestyling records and putting them out. I said, my son tells me this. He tells me they go in and me and we would sit down and figure out how do we tell a, so- a song? How do we write a song about a dick sucking, crack smoking hoe? Mary, man. Uh, that's what it's. And people, oh, I know a girl like that. As opposed to saying she sucks dick. I mean, right now they would, they would really make a record going, she sucks dick. She sucks dick. I woke up in the. And they would keep that and they would put that out. For us, it was like. The reason why Raising Hell was so deaf is because you had Chuck D there, Karis one over there, and Rock him coming. So me, Runner J, we had to get tight. We had to create the best rap record ever, Peter Piper Mud. And by Raising Hell being so dope, takes the nations and all of that. And what I wanted to say earlier, because I lost my train of thought, even Biggie, Biggie Smalls, Brooklyn, fat black dude from Brooklyn that sells crack to buy earrings for his baby. Cutest thing ever. I always talk about this in my lecture. Listen who his idols were. Remember when I was talking about we name ourselves after mafia figures and drug laws and this and Listen to Biggie's first record. It was all a dream. He, he, didn't, he didn't say, I want to be Gotti. I want to be Manuel Noriega. Listen to what he's saying. The most powerful representation of street life gangsterism ever. Salt and pepper up in the limousine. Rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. That's what Biggie wanted. That's what Biggie wanted. Pac, Tupac. Kids think Pac is a legend because he got thug life and he was so hard and he was getting into trouble. No, the reason why Pac is a legend in hip-hop is because of two things. Brenda had a baby and Dear Mama. You, and that's what, that's what the powers to be just scared of. A guy that looks and sounds like Pac. Pac and goes through what he goes through talking about your mom that's powerful now shut him up don't let the kids see goodness and that's what it is so for us the creativity was about how can I bust his ass with something nobody ever saw before and by doing that when we did it that made LL go home and come back and bust our ass and then we would go so hip hop used to do this here's running them here's L oh shit here's running them Here's Al, and in the midst of us doing that, oh shit, here's P.E., here comes Daylight. Come. But we all coexisted at the same time. That's interesting, because there's now this debate, uh, even amongst my friends, about Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. and whether it's he just like, is he benefiting from a craptastic time in hip-hop, or is he actually, um, is he a good artist? And, and, and I think from hearing you say that, I mean, I've always said, say what you, say what you want about him, he's at least showing that he's one could be different and he's at least as he especially as young as he is he's right. trying to evolve especially with his last album he's evolving himself as an artist he's jazz he's putting jazz no he is hip-hop he's doing hip-hop the right way he can rap about that's why i love kendrick he could do everything everybody else is doing but he's not right 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 
Exactly. Right. He could go the easy route. You know what's funny about that, too? His fans. His young fans told me this. I was in, uh, went to um, Taste of Austin in Austin, Texas. They do the taste. They do this big festival every summer, the Taste of. It's a big food music celebration. I was in this. His fans was there. His fans said this to me. Mr. DMC, because I'm, you know, I'm 50 years old. Mr. DMC, uh-uh, uh-uh. We don't care about the disverse. He got launched to the forefront in hip-hop because he just Drake. As opposed to all of our publications and all of our media outlets saying this man is great, listen to this song, here's what he's talking about. Remember, he was the talk for months because he just Drake. Something negative and digital. Remember that? His fans didn't care about that. They said, nah, uh-uh, Mr. DMC, go listen to his first early mixtapes. That's what you want to hear. And I did, and I was like, oh, shit. He's talking about his drunk uncle. He's talking about the flower pot. He's talking about, I saw a plane cross the cut. Like, he, but because he dissed, so he didn't diss Drake. He, he did what I did. On, 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 um, he did what I did, um, but it was kind of, too early, but it was subliminal. On on Jam Master J's song, now remember, I was writing my rhymes in my basement. When I wrote most of my early stuff, it was all battle raps of me pretending to battle Mo and them. I was playing. And when I wrote Jam Master J, it's funny how powerful words are. On the Jam Master J, kick off your shoes, jump on the jock, listen to the jam, and we talked about his name is Jay. Because people knew it was running DMC, but they was always going, why is three guys up there? So we had to make, we had to explain to them what was going on. But there's a line in there when I said, we're live as can be, never singing the blues. I got to tell y'all all the good news. The good news is that there is a crew, not five, not four, not three, just two. That was me pretending one day in 79, I'm going to battle the Furish Five, Cold Crush Four, and Treacherous Three by myself. That's what that rhyme was. And it took, I said, not five, not four, not three, just two. Then I said this, two MCs who are claiming the fame and all of the things won't be the same. Then I said, I'm, I'm, this is all make-believe because it's about time for a brand new group. And what happened? It worked. So I applaud Kendrick Lamar. I mean, he, he got such... He has, remember in the earlier, in the beginning of this interview, he just have a truth of our existence that the young guy can relate to. I'm old, I'm 50 years old, but he's talking about stuff that not only I can relate to because I, I was young, I can relate to what he's talking about now. My drunk mother and my, the, 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 the liquor store. And the, that's messing in hip-hop. And that, he's just a good example of when a label should do this. I'm on a Kendrick... I want a ghetto boy, and I want a two live crew. Then something would change. Then, then Universal and Sony, then let's see how really good you are. Let's put these cards on the table and see who can utilize and work and promote this the best. Not, oh shit, Rick Ross is selling. Find me a Rick Ross. No, my label's going, don't find me a Rick Ross. I don't want the 10 million that brought Rick Ross. I want the 100 million that didn't buy him. And Kendrick is just representing something that's real. That's what I'm talking about. You you touched on it a little bit here uh, in your last answers. Um, but in that same Ebony interview that you talk about Larry Smith as a great producer, you... Yeah, he's... he's let me, let me reiterate this. He's not just hip-hop producer. He's one of the greatest producers ever that nobody knows about. I told his son, that's your documentary in your book. Because I put him up there with Phil Spector. Any 
producer that's known, Rick Rubin. But he's not just, I hate when he says he's the greatest hip-hop producer. To premiere, ask DJ Premier who's the greatest hip-hop producer, Larry Smith. To me, he's the greatest producer ever. Why? Y'all gotta understand something. There's no walk this way if it wasn't Rockbox. Then it was King of Rock. Walk This Way wasn't the first rock rap record. It's tongue twisted. The first rock rap record was Rockbox, which was the first rap video on MTV. Then we had the balls and say we're the kings of rock. And that was prophetic too. The video was about a rap group getting denied entry into a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame museum. When I got inducted in 09, they called me over to Daryl. I want to tell you something. What? King of Rock was prophetic. What are you talking about? Y'all got denied entering a museum where Larry Bud Melman from the David Letterman show that denies your access. He was like, y'all did that in 85. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum didn't open till 86. Then I got real scared. And I was like, wow. And I guess, oh, it's okay, Joe. The words are very powerful. Because I said, I won't stop rocking till I retire. You know, Run DMC got dropped from Aris to after Profile got brought in. Am I still rapping? Yeah, I tour all the time. Did it? I just got home from Miami. I won't stop rocking till I retire. We went and pulled Michael Jackson's glove off the stand and threw it on the ground and stepped on it. Pulled the plug on Jerry Lee Lewis. Nobody hated it. Even Michael said, I love you guys. You're just me. You threw my glove on the floor. He knew it wasn't personal. He understood we had enthusiasm. And we had, we had some pride about who we were. So he took it the wrong way. But... What I was going to say is that enthusiastic, um, non-conforming, you know, when we had Sucker MCs and we used to do Peppermint Lounge and the Danceteria, all these downtown clubs, in addition to playing all the house clubs and the disco clubs uptown, but we would go downtown and play the Peppermint Lounge. We never played CBGBs, though, but we played all the little Danceterias. And it was white rock kids because Sucker MCs was rock to them. Because it wasn't soul, it wasn't sampled funk soul. It was me and Run rhyming over, it was just a beat. Rockbox, kids tell me, man, I was a metalhead and I was Metallica. And, you know, it was either my brother or I went away to school and somebody brought a cassette tape of... Now, Rockbox wasn't a, a, re- a redo. It was me and Run rapping over an original rock. That shit was a rock record. You know what I'm saying? So... That kind of innovation is, 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 is it's the same thing Kendrick is doing with his new work. I remember I read a write-up on him, and um, I was looking at some of the comments. And there was a lot of comments that was dissing, but it was only about maybe 7% diss. This is bullshit, this and that. And the people that were dissing Kendrick are those individuals that think negativity, ignorance, and stupidity verifies your coolness. But most of the people, the, the guy who wrote the article was talking about the, the use of the jazz. The, the, you know, and that was, that, was, that, that was the thing that inspired me musically as a kid. Why is Elton John playing the piano and he's a rock star? Neil Young, pulled, Neil Young and Dylan pulled out the fucking harmonica. That shit sound, those little things is, you know, what rock, those, it, it was very innovative. So... That's the thing that I was saying at the beginning is that if the mu- it, it exists, Kendrick is so is okay. Here's another thing Kendrick is just popular, people know about him. Think about the hundred million other kids that are just as dope as Kendrick that don't get a chance. That's why I said it's worth to keep fighting because you got to keep that lane open. 
So if, what makes Larry Smith, uh, if, if his innovative sound and the fact that he didn't listen to musical trends, music trends, uh, you've said made, made him a great None producer. None of his records sound alike. So what makes a great, I guess you've touched on it earlier, but what makes, using that kind of formula, what makes a great MC? What makes a great MC is... No, the producer helps. The producer, it's the combination of the right elements. The producer, Rick and Russell, used to always say, everybody can rhyme. Could you make a record that's going to change the world? So now we got to sit there and think. We was dumbfounded. You know what I'm saying? When we sat down to make it tricky. And we was a huh? Because, I mean, for me personally... When I when when Run put me in a group, I used to just walk in and Russell would say, Let me see your book, D, let's see what you got. Go in there and say that. Like as I, as I was always writing. That being said, okay, that's you just have to find the right canvas. The producer has to find the right canvas for the artist to paint on. You know what I'm saying? Now now there's there's some artists, I guess like Kanye, that could do it all in himself. But you know, even Kanye works with people. Beck I get Beck went and got it. I could understand why Beck won album of the year. He went and got everything himself and did it himself. Not talking about the album being dope or selling a lot. The best album of this year has to be an album that one person did all by itself. That deserves commendation. Not because people know about it. Now everybody, what I like about it, whether you like it or not, now everybody know about it. So it must be the best album of the year. You know how they people use that little thing. So it's very fatality. But the, the producer has a lot. Run DMC became legends. There's no Rick Rubin. There's no raising hell if it wasn't for Larry Smith. He built and created the module that we needed to use. Because think about it. If we didn't have Larry, we could have fell to the wayside. This ain't disrespectful to all of those other so-called one-hit wonders. There's a lot of fabulous, you know, Joe Ski Love, Pee Wee's Dance. We could have been that if we didn't have Larry. But because Larry was a Phil Spector, George Martin type of entity. And what I mean by that is, I guess I could say names. When you look at producers, this is why I said out of producers. I mean, most hip-hop producers, when you say their name, Right in you identify them with their sound. If you say Dre, you can hear a record and say, oh. If you hear Swizz Beats, you could, oh. But with Larry, listen, Larry produced Suck MC's Rock Bach. It's like that five minutes of funk, Friends, um, um, what else, a Jam Master. He got an array of work that maybe only two or three songs sound same same. All these other producers, they have a sound they associate with it. Larry, when Rick came in for Raising Hell, for the Raising Hell, we already knew what music we was going to do. With Larry, we, what's your rhyme, D? All right, let me figure out what goes with that. That's different, and that's very hard to do right now. Plus, to get people accepted, people forget that Larry Smith held down hip-hop for from 84 to the end of Houdini's uh, the album with One Love. That was Larry's reign. All the music in the dirty, dirty South. Friends done got Lou Jermaine Dupree 
was dancing on the fresh list to Larry Smith music. So what he saw Larry do as a producer, that's why Jermaine was so successful. You know, part of the reason. He was watching a maestro. Oh, I, that's how you do it now. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to, you don't have to be... Um, you don't have to be, um, your consistency isn't in being repetitive. You know, Larry would always go, what you got, D? When we, when we did, you know, when we did Rockbox, I think Rockbox was also so deaf because um, I always loved Big Beat because I used to always love to hear Moe, the Cold Crush 4 on the battle tape against the Fantastic Five at Harlem World when Charlie Chase brung on Big Beat. And Grandmaster Fast started writing his rhyme, and then the Treacherous Three had a routine over Big Beat that went boom, boom, bam, boom, boom, bam, boom. And Moe said, can you find an MC better than me? Moe can you find an MC better than me? And they said, no. Then Special K said, can you find an MC who can say he's better than Special K? No. Can you find an MC who can rhyme up against L.A. sunshine. No, then they said together, you can't, you can't, because these you saw it, you got to come with the best, and that's what we brought. We got to kick ass and bread. And I was like, oh, shit. So Big Beat was always one of my favorite records to freestyle over. So when we was making Rockbox, this is what happened with Larry. He had the DMX drum machine. He said, D, come over here. You want to make a record like Big Beat, huh? Don't you? Okay. He did the, the, the click thing. Here's the kick, here's the snare, play the beat. So I didn't I knew I didn't want to sample or redo big beat. So I said, kick, boom, snare, pen, boom, boom, pen, boom, boom, pen, boom, boom, pen, boom, boom, stop. And it kept going. We laid our lyrics, he put the bass, he came. Me and Run did rock box. It didn't have guitars on it yet. It just had the the bells and the doo-doo-doo. So me and Run left. Jay stayed. And Jay, this is how Jay learned to board. He didn't go to school for it. He stayed in the studio with Larry Smith and Roddy Hugh was the engineer at Green Street. And he would, what's that button for? Larry would tell him, what that do? And he did, me and Run was, we, 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 we dropped our lyrics and we going back home to Hollis. So we learned. We came back a few days later. He went and got Eddie Martinez, who was playing with Quiet Riot, the rock man at the time. And the beautiful thing, the reason why Larry was so good is he was a musician. So some of the criteria for being a good DJ, I mean producer, is you got to know music, you got to love music. So who loves music more than a musician and a DJ that knows? You know, some, there's beat makers, just not to make beats. And there's producers who can make those beats, but also know different type of music. And that's why Larry was so exceptional to, to I could have, I could only imagine if Larry would have kept working with us in Houdini. By the time the 90s rolled around, imagine Larry producing Mob Deep. You know, especially he's older now, but yo, that's the cat you got to work with. Just like all of those jazz producers, you know, there was a producer working with Miles. You know, the, the way Rick Rubin, and Rick Rubin is kind of the reverse of Larry. He started with punk rock and hip-hop, and then he was able to go produce Metallica. He was able to produce Johnny Cash, this and that. So what Rick did for music is what we did with music, if I can make any sense. And that was Larry, but I always just want to let people know there's no raising hell if it no that. Larry, rock, box, suck, and seize. You don't get nothing better, no, no. 
Travis Barker told me, yo, most people jump on the bandwagon and walk this way, but not. when I heard Rockbox, he said, he said, Travis said, when I heard Rockbox, I knew what I wanted to do. And he's not right. He's trapped. That's incredible. He said, D, anything you ever need from me? And then most recently, about uh, two, three years ago, I hooked up. I, the, me, me, Travis Barker, DMC, Mick Mars from Motley Crue. I'm waiting to either get Flea or Adam for the Beastie Boys to play bass. We got a song coming out together. Yeah. Um, I want to turn uh, really quickly to, you, you're obviously, you're, you're known for giving back to the community. Um, you helped found the Felix organization, Adoptees for Children, and you work with Garden of Dreams Foundation. Yes. When you first started your rap music career, how soon into it did you know that you wanted to use this as a platform for good intentions? Uh-huh. And then also, uh, how soon into your career did you realize that you could do more to promote change than just using the power of words? Right. Um, all right. To answer the first question, from the day one, because of what Modi did to my brain, made me say, even though I was just trying to rhyme, it, Mo let me know, oh, I can still say DMC St. John's University and still be dope, knowing that's going to touch somebody the way it touched me. You know, uh, Wycliffe told me one time I went in one, one of Wycliffe's sessions. He was like, yo, DMC is the only MC that could rhyme about St. John's University, chicken and collard greens, and um, Christmas and make a gangster. You know what I'm saying? Christmas time, Harlem Queen, this and that. Now, that being said, I wasn't trying to make a difference when I was doing that. I was just emulating Mo. Well, you know, Melly Mel, if you listen to Mel's rhymes on Beach Street, on the, the, the Beach Street breakdown, if you listen, it was amazing. So because of Mel, because because of treachery, because of Modi, Melly Mel, and Africa Bambada, I would put that in there because I know I knew, uh, pot, not as a trying to do something. I knew positive influence and inspiration. Was a, was a cool part of this hip-hop rap thing. That being said, after meeting Sarah, had a little bit to do with it more for the responsible. She said, that's what music's supposed to do. And then I thought of the reason why my music touched lives and why John Lennon did it. But I think it was after I got out of rehab, it became part of, I'm trying to use it now. After I, I think it was when I got out of rehab. No, no, you know what? It was actually... When I did my rock documentary, when I did the documentary about searching for my birth parents, because after that aired, everywhere I went, I started getting um, stuff like this on my Twitter. DMC, I'm an orphan. We love you repping for the orphans. I'm talking about Polynesia and China. I got a, from, a lot from the UK and Germany. The orphan, I'm talking about or I'm Bosnia Serbian, Bosnia Serbian war orphan. Uh, uh, that's deep. That's like whoa. Because I'm thinking I'm just repping foster kids and adopted kids, but those kids are just like us. Yeah. And then what really made me push me to that level after my rock doc air, I will say if I, I I was in I was actually in the city walking on um Seventh Avenue near Thirty Fourth Street. Kid like twelve years old, Mr. McDaniel's. I'm not adopted, I'm not a foster kid, but he said this, thank you for showing that documentary to me, 
because I was so tired of the stuff that was on MTV that was real. Thank you. And then one time I was at a, an event in L.A., and a dude kept looking at me, right? And I would look at him, he would turn his head. And then I would look at his turn and I said, the next time he looks at me, I'm going to call him over. So he, you know, he was eyeing me from the corner. And when he looked, I was like coming in. He was like, oh. I called him. So he just walked over to me. And he was like, yo, DMC, um, you know, for example, I forgot his name. He was like, yo, I'm Tyrone. I'm from Houston, Texas, whatever, blah, 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 this, this, and that, boom, bang. You know, I'm an up-and-coming artist. I'm out here trying to do some acting. It was, a, it was a, one of those industry movie parties in L.A. He was like, you know, just telling me, yo, you know, Run DMC was always a big influence. He was a little younger than me. I think I was like... I probably was in my 40s, so he probably was like 30, no, you know, 28, 32, something like that. But, yo, you know, I got into your music because my dad or whatever, 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 whatever. And then he just stopped talking and he hugged me. So say he's hugging me and you're my manager, Eric. And he, he just, he was just, he was cool. Yo, I'm running DMC. And then he just stopped and he hugged me. So I'm looking at my manager on. I have no idea. And he pushes back for me. He said, yo, D, I just want to tell you. Um, I'm not a doctor and not a foster kid, but I saw your, your documentary and you just made me think, you, you, you just made me think differently about life. Thank you and walked away. So I think it was after I put out the revelation that I was, after my whole adoption thing, that whole Sarah McLaughlin, that, that whole morph period really solidified. Because it was a point, I mean, to the, it was prior to all of that, uh, right after Down with the King, craziest shit ever, I started losing my voice. Then I found out I was, this is how it happened to me. I started losing my voice. Then I found out I was adopted. Jay gets shot and killed. And then my father, Byford, son of Byford, dies. So I was completely, done. Then when I got to, you know, I actually met some other adoptees, this and that, boom, bang. And then I think when the part that I realized, okay, all this happening to me is part of who I am. Why I get depressed about it? Why, why be... Um, you know, why kill myself? You know, and the only thing Sarah's record said to me was, D, it's fucked up right now, but this is the best thing to be alive. And just to live to listen to an angel was so perfect. But even in that time of turmoil, I did the rock doc, I put it out there without having to, you know, I thought my life was over because I couldn't rhyme no more. But all of a sudden the phone started ringing. D, come speak to the kid. Yo, D, even to the point where, yo, D, we saw your rock docker. I mean, none of us is adopted. But could you come speak to the firemen? Why? Because we know you will be rehab. All the firemen and police officers are committing suicide and, and um, substance abuse. We saw your rock docker. You went to, you're sober. We heard you went to rehab. Could you come? Don't talk about adoption or hip-hop. Come and just talk about you being an alcoholic. I was like, wow. You know, it was funny, um... A guy told me, um, um, Obama had once said, your voice is just not how you sound. It's who you are. I was like, oh, shit. So if I was never able to rap again without a voice, I was doing more or just as much that I was already doing with my music. It gave you something else to, it seems like it gave you something else to focus on. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I always talked about doing something in my music. Now, without even turning a mic on, I'm doing it, which is cool. Uh, we're speaking to Daryl DMC uh, McDaniels. Um, DMC, I have a few more questions. Um, I want to talk about one of your latest tracks, uh, Hellraisers, which features uh, you, of course, <laughs> Chuck D, PMD, MC Search, Terminator X, DJ Clips, and Big KO. Yeah. 
obviously a track full of veterans, uh, hip hop veterans. Right. Um, they should do volumes of that. KO need to keep that going. Like also, the next version should have Rock him and Karen. It's an amazing track because it's actually like, for me, it was a track that really highlights, and if you go with Rock him and stuff, like, it, it, it highlights career longevity. Um, oh, right, right, and you right. start off the track and you say, uh, We are the Hellraiser guitar playing, rhyme saying, musicians, MCs, and DJs. These are the days of the true musical ways because all these other ways will fade, will fade, will fade away. Um, what, what, but what are true, what, for you, what is, what is the true musical ways? The true musical ways is putting the beat on and have each individual present whatever it is that they want to present. And if you were to, as we mentioned, these, this is a track full of hip-hop and gods. Um, if you were to take, if you were to add a new school uh-huh. MC to this track listing, did you have, do you, did you have someone in mind? Do you have someone in mind? I oh, guess who would it be? Oh, someone like newish school, I would put on, um, that's a real dope question. Because us on this track, it is very diverse, but it's still in a little circle. I would put... Um, but it's also like, for me, it's like, it's a track that, like, Search does it, I think, great, where it's like, it's a track where you guys, you guys are to the point where you know you don't have to, every word does not, I mean, also, every word doesn't have to rhyme. Oh, So, right. like, for, like, Chuck, just... Chuck, I mean, not Chuck, I Search saying, I don't know the lyric offhand, but being like... And to you, like, old, older school guys, don't pretend that, like, the fifth element is not beatboxing. You know, like, yeah, 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 which doesn't yeah, yeah. rhyme at all. Exactly. And yeah, it's just yeah. like, but, you know, the fact that you guys are comfortable. Right. Um, all right, I would, I would probably, I would put Andre 3000. I would put him in there. And then I would probably put, wow. Oh, I'll, you know what? Well, damn, because they, they, they on the cover, well, I'll put it like this. I would put, um, oh, here's how I would do. I would put Scarface, Andre 3000, and then I would put um, probably Joey Badass. Yeah, Joey, I would put Joey Badass, because I heard, I heard some... Somewhere all hip hop where this beat came on, and I thought Joey was gonna do just the the youthful, you know, uh, turn up thing, and this guy started spitting some lyrics, and I was like, wow, and he actually, I'm probably gonna steal that flow, Joey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everything comes to somewhere, so I'm like, yo, this guy Joey Badass, because Jason TJ introduced me to Joey Badass about two years ago. Yo, D, this is this guy you got to hear. I think he's from Brooklyn, too. And I was like, okay, he's going to be rhyming. He's going to sound just like the Dirty, Dirty South. He, he does all that. He could do the tripling and, you know, the thing they do. But then he just started spitting. It was like listening to... Um, it was like listening to, to, to somebody from the Digging in the Crates crew. You know what I'm saying? Showbiz and AG. And I was like, wow. And, you know, for me as an OG, I'm like, yo, it does exist still. But I would put Joey Badass. You know, I don't want to put Kendrick because he's already there. But, and I would, I would want people to say, yo, why is Joey Badass up on this? And you know what's crazy? Imagine putting Joey on a record with, you know, Search, DMC, Andre 3000, Scarface. Him and his people, you know, maybe his friends won't really know our music. 
But the elder guys around him would be like, yo, Joey, you got to come hard. You know what I'm saying? It would encourage him to really destroy us. So I would put Joey Van as, because he's from that new era. He's the one guy that's, um, a lot of these new cats is tolerable for me, but some of them I can't listen to, and it's not because I'm old. And I tell a lot of parents that. She says, my kids is playing. I don't want to say no names in the car. I said, no, hold up, lady. 49-year-old lady that knows hip-hop. You're not, it's not killing you because you're old now. It's killing you because your young spirit demands more. I got to check for, I don't like hip-hop. No, motherfucker, you like hip-hop. You don't like that because it's because it, it is what it is. It's not resonating with you because you don't see how an 18-year-old guy could speak and act like that. It's deeper than that. And I, I'm, you know, and I want the young generation to understand that we're not acting like your mothers and fathers, you know what I'm saying? And we're not disrespecting you. At 17 years old, I'm 17, I demand much more. For, I'm 17 telling these guys now, all these young dudes, you know, 25 is kind of like man age now. So all of these rappers that's 18 to 25, I'm telling you, I'm the young DMC, 16, younger than you, demanding more from you, young man. And that's the difference, the power that's missing in hip-hop. Young people demanding more from our young people. That's how we was able to change the world. Nobody instructed us to create this and do what we did with it. We did it ourselves. You've obviously have had a long career, and obviously you're from uh, Run DMC. Uh, but for you, what... And you don't, you don't have to have... No, no, well, you don't have to have answer for this, but if it doesn't come to... But, what Run, D, what Run DMC song do you think best defines your musical career? But then also, what song, and it doesn't have to be just a Run DMC song, it could be any of your solo work, um, best defines you as a person? You know what? The best song that defines me is definitely King of Rock. It's definitely King of Rock. Um, um, and that being said, the best song that defines me as a person is probably um, the DFC that's song together forever. Party people, your dreams have now been fulfilled. Get out of the get ill, that's right, Joe. My rock is hard, you can't pull my card. I'm a shining, those two records is me. And King of Rock to the point where... Um, my new rhyme goes, like Luke Cage, I'm a hero for hire. Raised in the age of the vinyl record buyer. They came to burn my kingdom, so they all brought fire. When that didn't work, they called me a liar. To tell you the truth, my kingdom can't be burnt. And on that day, this is something they learned. Immortality, see, it has to be earned. Bitten by a vampire, but I couldn't be turned. B-boys breaking while I rock this mic. So damn amazing, watch them all take flight. For this generation, here's a little insight. Rappers nowadays can't rhyme or write. They need to learn a lesson from Lauren and Light or Queen Latifah. Watch them recite. If you disrespect my woman, there is going to be a fight. A lot of fake rappers is dying tonight. So for me, at this stage of my career, I just have to find the right canvas to put it on. That's why um, I'm really, really, really... Really, really excited about what I'm doing right now. The record that I told you about, we did, um, it's a redo of, oh, Black Betty, Bama Lama, oh, Black Betty. 
Sebastian Bach on vocals, Mick Moringa guitar, Travis Barker on drums, DMC on the rhyme. I'm looking to get Flea or because Adam from the Beast Award plays bass on that. Um, on that, I got two projects on the solo record. Black Betty's the first single. Well, no, Black Betty's the third single. Going to be the third single. It's solo record. I'm so excited about it. All of this fell into place in the last couple of months. We, I got that record, which was originally the first single on the album, but I got I to gotta get a bass player on it. The second single, I, I met with him the week before he moved to Queens because D&D Studio closed down here in the city. Primo had the guys turning the building into condos, so pre-DJ Premier had to move. First time in 30 years. We've done a couple of shows here, and they see them all the time. DMC is getting ready to record with DJ Premier. And boy, have we got something for y'all. So that's going to be the second single. The first single is... um, I went to Rock on the Range last year, the, the metal rock show that they do every year in May, a three-day concert at festival in Maine. Rob Dukes was singing for Exodus. Um, the lead singer for Exodus came back, so he was singing with them for 10 years, so the original guy came back. He has this new band, Generation Kill. He says, yo, D, just take my CD and listen to it. That's all I want you to do. So I take his CD home. There's this record called Carney Love. His new band is Generation Kill. So we recorded. I said, I got to work with you. So we recorded a record um, for my album called Fired Up. Rob Duke's Generation Kill. And it's produced by Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses. And because of that record came out so good, we was like, let's keep going. We're eight records deep into a DMC Rob Deuce Generation Kill album produced by Mumblefoot. And this is um, it's hardcore, heavy metal, thrash rock with a run DMC. You know, it's not body count, but it is. But it's, it's more of social, polit- Rob's been sober for 20 years, so it's social, economical, political, we talk about um, society, current events. We talk about rehab. It's a deep, dark record, but it's fun. So um, with the, what I'm doing now is everything that I did with Run DMC, I'm doing live. Live drums, no sample. Everything is live, man. I'm really excited. Darryl DMC McDaniels. Um an honor to talk to you today on the library of Tim Ryan and Kell on RapStation.com. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The RapStation rules the nation. When that didn't work, they called me a liar. To tell you the truth, my kingdom can't be burnt. And on that day, that is something they learned. Immortality, see, it has to be earned. Bitten by a vampire, but I couldn't be turned. B-boys breaking as I rocked his mic. So damn amazing, watch them all take flight. Generation has a little insight. Rappers nowadays can't rhyme or write. They need to learn a lesson from Lauren and Light. And Queen Lost people watch them recite. If you disrespect my women, there is gonna be a fight. A lot of fake rappers is dying tonight. There is none.
fate is clear. NASA keeps trying, but they can't come near. I can't be contained in this atmosphere. There's one thing I'm lacking, and that thing is fear. Y'all wanna know why I'm still raising hell? I get my inspiration from the hell. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.